Hey, Mike, where'd you get these endless summer movie tickets from? Whoa, I love those. That's from my endless summer box set. Ooh, where'd you get that from? The link is in the show notes, baby. Hey everybody, welcome to the QuiverCast, where we chat with surfers from all around the world, from all walks of life, and we get their story. Find us at www.thequivercast.com. I am Mike, your host. Let's get into the show. All right, everyone's stoked. We are in Santa Cruz right now. This is Mike here, and we have Richard Smith here. How are you doing, Richard? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good here. Dude, rad. So you're right down the street from the beach. How's that? Yeah, so lucky. Uh, kind of on the edge of town, yep. so I have to deal with the traffic a lot. If I'm going to go up the coast, I can just run up the coast. Some good ways right down the street. Just so uh, much gratitude to be able to just grab my surfboard, run down the street, and go surfing. And uh, Yeah. Just really lucky. I actually was able to buy a home when they were still affordable, you mm. know. So just, yeah, a lot of gratitude having yeah. a house here in Santa Cruz. Right. How long have you lived in this home? 1994. Okay. Bought the house. So Cool. Yeah, quite some time ago. It's a, a little uh, more windy up on this side of town. You know, you get down to the lane and, and there's a, a weather break there. And it's mm. more of a banana belt area. We're up towards natural bridges where it gets a lot of the northwest wind. Yeah. But uh, it's quiet, quiet, real quiet. Okay, so total west side, right? Yeah, pretty pretty lucky <laughs> for a long time, yeah. Okay, and then let's talk about real estate and how has Santa Cruz changed over the years? Yeah, you know, back when I was young, coming out of high school, you could just have a okay job, you know, you could be a waiter, or, mm-hmm. you know, lifeguard or whatever and pay your rent and have a decent life. You know, my friend was a cook and he bought a house, you know, with his earnings and now like the kids coming out of high school they go off to college they're like okay i'd like to you know come back to santa cruz and they can't really afford it you know to to buy a house and live here you got to make so much money i think it's the silicon valley economy is close by and it's just a real desirable place you know climate and everything so yeah it's it's kind of sad that it's gotten so expensive but i think that's kind of a trend with all nice places in the world you know people discover them and yeah. get popular and but it's, it's it's tough for the kids i feel feel for the kids these days you know that want to get ahead and have a family or whatever they you know a lot of kids going up to oregon and washington or yeah. or, or wherever they, they can afford it you know do you think that it's pushed some of your friends out that surfed they had to move because the affordability of it um uh, my, my, my longtime friends i usually have some type of connection to where they have some housing stability. Okay. But it's more the younger younger yeah, people, you know, sure. like my kids' friends and all that that are moving to Oregon and doing different things because it's just, you know, you want to be able to buy a house someday, you know. Yeah, 100%. Something, and it's really out of reach for a lot of people. Yeah, Santa Cruz and pretty much all California. Coastal, yeah. coastal I think. Yeah, especially with uh, the remote work and all that. People were able to go wherever they oh, wanted yeah. to. Yeah. And, and still work, and so why live somewhere that's not that great when you go somewhere nice and yeah, still work? Okay, what about traffic and stuff? Is it way worse? Oh, it's, it's getting a lot worse. Like going uh, from the west side to the east side, uh, oh, uh, Highway One corridor every day is insane. It's just crazy. They're doing some work to try to uh, mitigate it, but um, yeah, a lot of cars, and it's getting a little more dense. You know what Santa Cruz is trying to do, like a lot of areas are, is, is build more housing units. The state is mandating yeah. it, and if it's you crazy. don't, if you don't come up with enough housing, then the state will take over and do so what they want without your without your yeah. concession, with the city's concession. So they're building a lot of high rises downtown, and I, I guess that's good. You know, I mean, there's te- there's teachers and. Doctors, so a lot of people can't afford it. I don't know. You know, everybody wants to keep it a beach town, you know, yeah. but I'm not selfish. You know, if people to, to have to make a million dollars just to live in an area yeah. is just out of, it's out of control. So it will be good for people, you know, okay. you're like, oh, it's just going to ruin the town, but whatever, you know, it's, it's, uh, less people driving in cars. You get more housing down where the, Jobs are stuff walking distance, so yeah. I, I get the concept, and it's we've just restricted housing for so many years. We're just paying the price now that 
you know, the, the local community is really pushed for the single family homes and not branched out to other areas. And, and okay. so, yeah, it's, it's a bummer. You know, it's going to be sad to see the little beach town feel be lost possibly, but that's all right. You know, if it, it makes it more affordable for some people, people will be positively affected. So, so what does that mean for uh, surfers? Is there going to be more surfers? You think? I don't think so. It's no? pretty saturated right now with being okay. surfers. You know, there's it's just so popular. You know, the surf breaks in Santa Cruz. It's almost like a coliseum, the cliffs, and it's just so inviting and yeah. got this beautiful place to beautiful. surf. Just but it's still raw. Yeah, it's raw up here compared to like Southern California beaches. You still yeah. got to walk down cliffs. You still got to. And it's still bigger here a lot. Yeah, you get all that energy from the Pacific Northwest, all yeah. those storms in the winter, and yeah, definitely, definitely, Ron. If you know you worry about too many surfers, you could always go south of Santa Cruz or north of Santa Cruz. Oh, yeah. There's a lot That's of ways wild. you could go surf by yourself. So, how often do you do that? Or how surf- often? Yeah, uh, out of town. Yeah, during summer, not that much. You know, okay. I, I'm really busy with the surf school that we yeah. run, and but in the winter time. Yeah, the world's, you know, our well, oyster. You know, you just look at the weather map and the swells and the tides, and you can go. Uh, there's a lot of good ways within striking distance from lot. Santa Cruz. And it's, it's really fun to try to figure out which place could be on for that day. It's a science, you know, and it's, 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 it's fun. And you could score. There's good ways around here. Oh, yeah, 100%. And Surfline kind of doesn't touch these spots either, huh? Yeah, no, there's not a lot of cams where okay. uh, a lot of these weird spots are. There's, and there might be some weird spots on the break, really good, like four or five days a year. Mm-hmm. You know, just so many variables that need to come together for some weird old spots. But uh, yeah. it's fun, fun to branch out. And what about the cliffs, like you know, near your house? Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, little good ways right around nooks and crannies, even in town. Yeah. You know, yeah. How do you get down there? You don't have to give that out if you don't want. Yeah, it's, a, lot, a lot of cliffs. You know, and um, paddling. Yeah, you get pat paddle too. There's okay. a place you could paddle too. Kind of because they restrict some areas too, like oh, the farms they? and the yeah. So you got to kind of yeah. Okay. It's kind of a bummer. Have you ever got out there and gotten a sticky situation where it's like oh shit situation? What, what do you mean, like the waves too big or it gets that, too the, big or the tide drops or I mean the, the wind? I don't know. Whatever the situation. Yeah, sketchy. A, a, yeah, a little little bit sometimes uh, down the stream when it gets really big. This access in and out. If you get swept too far down the coast, you mix your exit. You got to paddle way out and around to get your exit again. And uh, but uh, not not so much as like Hawaii. You know, like Hawaii, I've been in more situations like it's huge and it's uh, getting bigger and it's getting dark. And the only way you're going to get in is catch a wave because it's just sweeping you out to sea. And okay, it's pretty dynamic. It could be pretty dynamic around here too. But Hawaii, I think, is really you get more of that situation more often. You're the Santa Cruz kind of guy. You're kind of the legend. Like in my generation, you're the guy that put Santa Cruz on the map, kind of thing. And I'm sure you're not the first. And there's guys before you. Yeah, there's really uh, quite a few surfers. You know, Fred Van Dyke too. You know, yep. he's like one of the original big wave guys. Yeah. And I mean, from him, just every generation, there's been this a connection to Hawaii and just yeah. really um, great surfers coming. Yeah. From this area, and I, I guess as far as me, I got some attention in the media, whatever, just right. from Santa Cruz, and I started riding big waves. No one else was really riding big waves, and yeah. so I got a lot of attention. But there's been a lot of surfers besides me that 100, percent yeah. But I think what happens was it came televised, and they were starting to sort of sunset contests and stuff. And you're always in the yeah, the like wide, shown there, yeah, yeah, wide world of sports, the Fred Hemmings, yes. and, <laughs> yeah. and that was pretty classic. ESPN, era, I think, yeah. was running the. Some of the contests, yeah. some of the events. Yeah. And so, you know, your name was always up on there, surfing Big Sunset. Yeah, I uh, competed on the, in the Triple Crown for like 15 years, and it was really exciting to be able to surf Sunset Beach, how leaving Pipeline with just a couple guys out in your heat. It's like I was the most – biggest motivation for me was just be able to surf those waves with, with not that many people. so fun. So how did you get the – the bigger wave. How, how did you get into them? Well, I think just, you know, growing up around here in Santa Cruz, it, mm-hmm. it kind of breeds that, you know, like if you surf Middle Peak at, at the lane, mm-hmm. you could see it coming from so far and your instinct is like paddle out, the season crash on, but you really got to hold your ground, just wait for it and then just kind of 
uh, take off under the hook. Yeah, yeah. and so it, it teaches you that. When I got to Sunset Beach, it's like, oh, this is like a big steamer mm. lane, you know, more stretched out. Yeah, but it's all like warm and blue and yeah. nice and tropical. So yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. get you get kind of rugged. I think surfing the spots around here with the cold, and there's a lot of power around here too. So yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of uh, pushed me towards that. And then uh, I guess I was 18 at the time. My friend Vince Collier, we went to Puerto together. And for like a month, it was insane. Just such good waves and just really loved the energy. And Vince had been to Hawaii. He goes, man, you like this? We should go to Hawaii next year, you know. Okay. And then, God, the rest is history. Just went there for maybe, you know, three to four weeks. I thought I ended up staying six months. And then oh, wow. for 15 years after that, you know, three to six months a year in the winter, just surfing on the North Shore and uh, really enjoying the power you have on a, on a daily basis there. It's okay. incredible. So what year is this around? Like, uh, 78 was when 78. we went to Puerto, okay. yeah, and so 79, Hawaii. Was Hawaii, well, obviously it was way less people there surfing. Yeah, like you could go to, out to pipe, like a crack pipeline, you know, mm. and be, like before boogie boards and stuff. And it'd be pretty, a lot easier to get waves. But even back then, you know, like on the crowded days, like trying to get a wave at backdoor yeah. or whatever, for, it, was, it was pretty hard, but definitely a lot easier then than it is now, for sure. Okay. You enjoyed Hawaii just because of the warm water. You got out of your wetsuit. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, <laughs> it's always God, cold always cold here, all summer long, <laughs> full wetsuit. A lot of surfers from Santa Cruz end up migrating somewhere warm because mm-hmm. to be a surfer in warm water is a lot nicer. But there's a certain beauty about the being the cold water too. It's invigorating and yeah, yeah, it's a pretty nice round. Even the cold cold water is nice, but it gets harder too as you get older too. Your joints are a little mm. stiffer, and and the, the warm weather and the warm water is a little more conducive to, for an aging surfer. It's a little yeah, easier. I would agree. I mean, even Southern California, there's still cold mornings. Yeah. So how is it? When you're a Grom, wetsuit technology wasn't what it is today. Yeah, the wetsuits were like straight jackets, you know, like that old animal skin with the front zipper. You put it on and just, oh my God, so stiff. Uh, but the technology over the years has really gotten better. So um, the cold water is not as much of an issue. You're warm and you're flexible. Yeah. It's, it's pretty nice. So do you remember like being a Grom and getting the wetsuit on and it's cold out or would you wait till the, later on in the day to surf? You no. Know, I, I didn't even have a wetsuit for a while. I was, I was so excited. Yeah. Just, yeah. We started off like me and my three brothers, we'd go to the beach at the boardwalk and then ride inflatable mats okay. on our bellies. There was no boogie boards then. And yeah. really a popular thing, you know, that's the birthplace of surfing on the continental U S is the river mouth. Okay. A couple of princes, 1885 went out there and they were a story about it in the local newspaper. But anyway, we didn't have a wetsuit, and we got little styrofoam boards. We were standing up on those, and then we bought a couple long boards that we shared and started going out to Cowles. And then on my 12th birthday, I got a Primo wetsuit mm. from Portola Surf Shop. Yeah. And just, I could still remember the smell of it and how psyched <laughs> I was. And we did some hot dogs on the beach, barbecue down at Cowles, Collins Cove there, and yeah. paddling out and enjoying this place and being warm. I'll never forget it. It's pretty cool. And your brothers both surfed the whole time? Yeah, yeah, three brothers, yeah. My uh, older brother, Dave, and my oldest brother, Conrad, and my younger brother, Raymond. But my next uh, older brother, Dave, uh, was a bigger surfer. The other two were just more recreation. But me and Dave, we spent a lot of time on the North Shore together. And just around here, it'd it'd just be like on adventure. Every day, we'd go up the coast and just go search around. And How much older was he than you? Two years older. Okay, perfect. Great surfing buddy, yeah. Okay, and you guys are like best friends, or yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty much, yeah. Okay, does Dave still surf now? Yeah, a little bit. His, his hips are gone, but okay. um, it's been harder for him. Yeah, does he live in town? Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, pretty cool. That's awesome. He's one of the. You guys are both kind of one of the pioneers of Mavericks, right? Yeah. So, so my brother Dave, that I just told you about, he um, it was the eighty nine ninety contest where I got third at the Eddy and. Yeah, I called him and I was just frothing like, "Oh my gosh!" The day, I just experienced the most amazing day of surfing, <laughs> and even to this day, it's like uh, probably the most amazing day of surfing in my life. Just okay. the camaraderie and the caliber of the surfers that day, and in the waves and the rides I saw mm-hmm. uh, were just insane. I called him up so excited, and he called me up the next day like, "You would not believe what I witnessed. I saw waves where you could fit semi trucks inside what? the wave and make sure to bring your YMA aboard home this year and just." Just like frothing harder than I was frothing the day before. And okay. so 
yeah, I brought my wife May aboard home that year, that spring, and yeah, the next couple of years, just you know, me and uh, some some Santa Cruz guys would be the only guys who would go out. And you'd go up there and it'd just be you, you know. Were you paddling out? Yeah, just paddling no out. Boat, no jet ski. No, and then the, the Half Moon Bay guys and the city guys uh, started going out to it. Of course, on. yeah, yeah. My brother, uh, he saw Jeff Clark at uh, San Francisco that day at Ocean Beach. It was giant. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was at Eddie Icaswell's. So once yeah. every ten years, well, it was so big and clean and perfect. And Jeff goes, "I'll take you somewhere where you could paddle out with your hair dry, almost, you know." And he mm-hmm. took he took Tom Powers and Dave down to Mavericks and showed them, and, and then it just kind of escalated into the phenomena that it is today. It's, it's something special. It's a radical spot. Yeah, I've walked down there. Yeah. I've never actually see it break, but it's, it. It's, I don't know. It's got to be a heavy experience out there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gnarly the way it jacks up. The mm-hmm. way, you know, the swell itself comes out of the ocean. It looks like a pretty big swell, but then when it hits the, hits the reef, it just jacks, like almost grows a third of its size and just lurches and yeah. you got your time. He's got to be so perfect. So you, get in. you and your brother go surfing for the what, the first time you surfing. It, what were your thoughts? Uh, reminiscent of Waimea, I thought, you know, just when you come off the bottom, all that speed that you have, like you have off Waimea and it's, it's, it's comes out of deep water and hits a, a boil just like Waimea does. So there were some similarities. Um, there were some similarities. But it was like, oh my God, you know, people are going to die out here. You know, we were you saying, knew that? yeah, we were just like, there's, there's just too, so much energy. And yeah, sadly enough, yeah, people have passed yeah. out there, you know, yeah. just radical. You think it would happen more often, you know, for how radical that, that wave is. So many people were eating it so bad as they were trying to figure it out in the early days. And then to have Mark pass was really strange, I thought, because we had seen just the most horrific wipeouts because no one had really. Surf nine six boards around here. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe their gun was like a seven two or something. But out there, you need you know nine ten foot boards. Wow! So there was a learning curve with mm-hmm. the, with the local. But you already had figuring that. It out. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty from much in my prime from. Uh, I had a nine six Rawson. Okay, it was insane. It just, I felt pretty confident at that point. And I, I didn't. I never really got pitched. I was. I was like, I don't want to. Uh, you know, you would know when to back out. You would know when to go. And there's so much respect for the wave because there's no jet skis, no light. No, I mean, you had to really be selective. And wow. we just had so much respect for that spot mm-hmm. in those early days. So it started getting crowded. What was your thoughts? Like, well, you said obviously. Yeah, like, oh, my God, some of this is nuts. Yeah, yeah some of are going to really get hurt out here. Just, But it was it's cool that people have the desire and the will to go chase down these things they're, they're really uh, that wave is really <laughs> fucking gnarly <laughs> okay so do you think people have a desire but they, they don't have the skill no i think a lot of people have the skills to ride a wave like that okay. but they don't have the desire it's more mental you yeah know? like if you're a good surfer okay you could you could go out there and do it but i think fear or just you know oh, just whatever holds a lot of yeah, people sure. back, you know, but physically there's a lot of surfers that could ride a big wave but mm-hmm. it, it becomes mental okay so how did you get to that mental spot where big waves were? were they are they fun for you? Are big waves fun for you? Oh, totally. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. on the North Shore of Oahu, you know, in the early days, it's like it'd be trade winds, you know, eighty five degrees, big blue, beautiful waves. It's like if you didn't paddle out, you wouldn't surf. It's like let's right. let's do this, you know, uh, right. let's go have some fun and surf. And it's kind of I could relate to when a mountaineer looks at a mountain and goes. You know, it's it's there. I have the skills. Why not? Okay. Why I hold myself back? Like looking at the waves, like I could I could do this. You know, so why why not why yeah. not give it a whirl? You know, but you slow. It, it comes slowly with time. You it know, it, bigger and bigger ways. You get more and more success, and the confidence gets better and better. Right. It, it's definitely a, a, a long learning curve to be confident in in big ways, and then you get older, and it's like what the I don't want to put myself in that situation it's like my okay. shoulders are still good yeah i didn't want to um having kids too you know and then back then um you know todd chester passed in big ways and then mark yeah. food and i just had a couple of kids i was like i kind of so, lost my desire a little bit you okay. know just putting myself in a perilous place you know when you have kids it's like you want to be there you know people yeah. count on you i hear stories like guys their first time on Hawaii or the set, you know, the, the first few seasons and they're scared shitless. And then guys like you will paddle by and laugh and like, you're having fun. 
It's enjoyable. Yeah. You're not worried. These guys are fearing for their life. And eventually, you know, a lot of these guys become some of the best servers in the world. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely had fears when I was younger, you know. But uh, I don't know. When you, ha- when you know inside that you have the ability to ride that okay. wave, it's like I just, I would rather give it a shot than, you know, be on my deathbed and have regrets. Like, mm-hmm. shit, I could have done. I yeah. could have done so much more if mm-hmm. I didn't let, you know, fear get in the way, you know, just because you only got one life to live and you never know what your yeah. limit is till you push it. Yeah. Were you guys training and stuff for these big waves? Uh, or back, you personally, back, I guess. Back then, uh, on the North Shore of Oahu, and I would never wear a leash and I'd be surfing okay. twice, that was your twice a day, you know, swimming at sunset three or four times, you wow. know, you get your board and just... You're the best shape of your life, you know. So I didn't, I didn't train that hard. In the summertime, I was a lifeguard, and yeah. I did a little bit of, you know, paddling. And as I got older, you know, I got a little concerned that I wasn't in the best shape. To Like, when I wasn't in Hawaii, I wasn't, wasn't worried about it because just surfing itself keeps yep. you in really great shape. Okay. But, uh, running up and down sand dunes was, was my best training because okay. really good for your cardiovascular yeah, and yeah. jumping rope. Okay. You know, something where you're just gasping for mm-hmm. air, I think, is the type of workout you want to do if you want to ride big waves because you need to have a good good win. And your sons, they uh, how are they surfing then? They're yeah, charging the bigger waves. Yeah, twenty two and twenty five, Makai and Richie, yeah. and it's, it's been such a joy to have two sons that actually end up liking surfing. You know, we expose them to soccer and baseball. I kind of oh, cool. always hope that hey, that'd be great if they surf. But they both they both like it and. uh Surf, surf really beautifully. Makai, my younger one, I don't think he'll ever go out and really big surf. Richie, he's delved a Char- little bit yeah. in Mavericks, but he's he just he gets a little weird around a lot of people. You know, oh, it's exactly. just such a scene out there. He just always goes somewhere yeah. different. But he he, he still talks about it. You know, like I want to, yeah, want to get a big wave out there. So we'll see. Was their process of surfing kind of like yours, or were they asking Dad, "Let's go surf," or what was the process? Yeah. Uh, Early on, they were, I got them both surfing. They were really young. Older one, Richie, sooner than the younger one. You know, as a parent, people always ask me, when do I start my kids surfing? And, you know, my oldest one, two years old, he, he was fine. He just loved my, my younger one, you know, didn't really, he got a little uh, scared. Mama took him for a okay. swim when he was like two years old. Okay. His name's Makai, and we'd go to the beach. He'd start going for the mountains. We'd, Joke, we might have to start naming him Malka, you know. Didn't he? <laughs> he didn't like the he didn't like the ocean. And so it took him a while to warm up to it. Okay. Uh, so yeah, as as young kids, um, just be careful as a parent to make sure to keep it fun, keep them in shallow water where they Don't fall. Don't push too and, hard. Yeah. And uh you know, they did soccer, they'd surf, and they'd be with their friends, play soccer, play baseball, but slowly but surely, you know, we did uh, surf camps for twenty eight years mm-hmm. and they grew up in that program or the yeah. kids would be watching videos of themselves surfing at night, and just there was so much stoke happening in that environment that it caught on with my two boys, and yeah, they love surfing. Okay. Lucky. So all their friends too. Do you still see a lot of these the kids, your a kids' of, friends out in the water? Yeah, uh, coaching, surfing, and teaching surfing all these years. Yeah, you see kids that have grown up through your program. Yeah, how's pretty, that? Pretty pretty gratifying for sure. Just to offer that experience. Yeah. The other thing about the big waves, exploring going north or going even south, like Porto. How was Porto comparable to like Santa Cruz? Besides, opposite warm water, but it's and beach break. It's a lot heavy. Yeah, God, I was eighteen and we went down there. And was there anybody we, else out? We were surfing? there a month. Yeah, there was there was a crew. Okay, you know, and and me and Vince uh, went down and. Just started pulling into all these big bells, close out or whatever, just pushing each other. And all these old guys are going, these kids are going to die out here. <laughs> but just so much energy. And um, the last week we were there, it was like 8 to 12 feet for a week straight and just complete A-frame. Sometimes it's kind of like closed out and then other days it's just A-frame. So it's just A-framing. It okay. was so exciting to be out in that surf. Wow. You guys didn't pioneer it. It was around. No, before. oh, totally. 1978. It was a yeah. sleepy little fishing village. Really okay. cool. How did you guys get in? You couldn't fly in there then either, right? Uh, go to Acapulco. I went oh. to Acapulco. Oh. John, oh, Mc- yeah, Chris Clough and John McCarter, Rick Newey, rest in peace, Ricky. Flew into Acapulco, and uh, then we took a bus from Acapulco. Okay. 
pretty classic. Chickens and everything in the bus? and everything. <laughs> we were drinking beers. Like, oh, there's no bathrooms on the bus. This really sucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they pull over and let you guys go? Yeah. And then the federalists would come in on this bus stop and just, oh, it was, it was, uh, it was a different time back then. That was a pretty, pretty, pretty cool experience. Were you guys the only foreigners on yeah, the bus? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, on that trip, yeah. How crazy is uh, that? Yeah, pretty, pretty cool. But that'll never happen again, at least in that region. Yeah. Now it's, it's surf centric, uh, right? Yeah, unbelievable yeah. Uh, how much. There was nothing beyond the rocks there in the bay there at Porto. Now there's like hotels, all kinds of stuff. There was like nothing wow. there. I couldn't believe there's like restaurants on the beach. Yeah. Going back to the beginning of the conversation, how Santa Cruz is building up. Everyone wants to be about a coastal town. Does surfing, it helps economies grow, right? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, Since you saw Porto from now till Yeah, I think... Um, it's just inevitable. I don't know if it's good or bad. It, it okay. creates more jobs for people. You know, people can live a healthy lifestyle. If you're living somewhere and there's nothing happening in the economy, it kind of sucks. You know, like you see, yeah. you travel some places, it's like uh, people would be stoked to have a way to make a living, you know. So mm-hmm. it's a trade off, you yeah. know, but then it's more saturated with people. And Going back to people surfing too, you started like you were early on in the surf school, right? One of the first? Ones? Yeah, I was 18, and I started lifeguarding for the city, and my friend had a uh, class through the local parks and rec, and he goes, you want to do this class? I go, yeah, oh, okay. awesome, man. So I did these classes, Monday, Wednesday classes, Tuesday, Thursday class in the morning, and then I'd walk breaks for lifeguarding. and Did that for some summers, and then but I had no vision. Like, oh, this be, it just kind of slowly happened where the demand became greater, and so I kind of stopped lifeguarding and doing more teaching and um yeah, but back then, 1978, there was just maybe, you could count the amount of people teaching surfing on one hand yeah. like in California. Yeah. The Pasquists had a surf camp, oh, yeah. I guess so. and uh, YMCA in San Diego had a little surf camp. <laughs> Literally, that was probably it, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's all I knew about as yeah. far as people being brought in the water with instructors. Okay. So it's been it's been awesome. I mean, the ways in Santa Cruz for learning are just incredible. And to be able to share that for so many years is just in, pretty nice. Pretty yeah, incredible. it's rad. But going back in 78, whatever, uh, you, no wetsuits? Or did you have like rental wetsuits? And so, and the boards were completely different than the soft tops. Yeah, they, yeah, we didn't have the soft boards at first. And uh, yeah, a lot of wetsuits. Yeah, okay. so you had wetsuits, yeah, for wetsuits and all that. And then uh, for the all the soft boards were great for teaching. You see boards flying and... God, just missing people and banging people. Just fiberglass boards would not work good for. But you had them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Initially, yeah, it worked. You know, but yeah, definitely not as safe. Give me your thoughts on soft tops. Do you think they're great? They're a great item to have. Yeah, at least for surf schools. I think they're awesome. You know, to to get people out in the water and they're not going to endanger any other people near them as much, or themselves and enjoy it. It's a bummer. I guess it takes away from the local shapers because they're made in China or whatever. You know, but I I think more people in the waters is is better. It's a good vibe in the world if people are happy. You know, and there's a lot of social anxiety. There's a lot of unhappy people and surfing so good for your head you know i just yeah whatever i mean you could be selfish and say oh no it's just it sucks and granted if you're out in a really busy lineup it takes away the enjoyment out of it you know it could be more dangerous so you yeah. know, there's two sides i could get both courses of, of the argument but yeah. um, i think it's great when people get out in the ocean i'm a big advocate for getting 100%. wet and surfing for because i see what people go through mentally and just life's hard you know it's like yeah. it's cool to uh be able to have a little joy in life so you've been helping recently some patients or some oh yeah that's just this last week uh i worked with uh first descents they're a really awesome nonprofit group that organizes these trips free of mm-hmm. charge for people that have gone through chemo and now are, are in remission or sometimes they're still in chemo when they when they come to these yeah. things but they're young people like between 18 and 42 or <sighs> something and and they all get together with like-minded people who are experiencing the same thing so they could relate to each other mm-hmm. and they do all these team bonding things i mean they do a lot of uh, mountain climbing and rafting and all that stuff but they've hired us to uh, take their crew surfing like so right it's so cool to offer that especially in santa cruz where the conditions are just so incredible sometimes for yeah. taking people in the ocean so um yeah we'll, we'll do five weeks this year and uh, okay we did it for a couple of years but uh yeah 
really gratifying to show people uh, surfing who are been hey, who have gone through so much. It's just psychologically, it must be really gnarly to must be. be diagnosed at a young age and face your mortality. You know, so to kind of get people stoked and outside, I think that, that that's good. You know, keep them mm-hmm. healthy. You're working with these people. What are their thoughts? Are they so happy to be there? Are they in a good atmosphere? Are they? Yeah, they're they really you know appreciate. Oh gosh, yeah, so many hugs at the end of the week that are just completely priceless. Yeah, you know they're so appreciative that we could expose them to something like surfing, and I just think it's a great opportunity. Yeah. You know, I, we get as much out of it the instructors, myself, sometimes as they do. You know, because yep. we see how it's uplifting their spirit. You know, yeah. and. Yeah. Are these all local? Like no, these? they come from all over. Really? Yeah, Kansas or whatever. Yeah, oh, this, really? is a real, this is a national uh, organization, First Descent. Okay. If people out there want to contribute to a nonprofit, it's a good one. Yeah. If you Google I'll it, put that on the show notes. Really, uh, yeah, I'll put that on the show notes. Really, That's really interesting. Fun. So some of these people have never even seen the ocean, probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How sketchy is that, though? Yeah, <laughs> it's really a daunting. You know, it could it be. Pretty, it's pretty big numbers. You know, they all want to, they want to get the camaraderie in a group, you know. Yeah, so that's cool. We have to stagger them, you know, not take them all out at once. They're all facing the same thing. Yeah. So that, the that's the main time. thing for their experiences. And they do a lot of team building things. That's within so right. there, And then surfing's, you know, part of it. It's really neat to do that. And then, uh, Twice a month, I work with a flea, Daryl Verasco. Yeah, there's a youth camp for kids recovering from addiction, fourteen to seventeen, really young wow. kids who are already struggling with addiction. We get to take them in the water twice a month. And what, what fleas? He invited me to help him, so he he got this program started. But it's been really gratifying too, because a lot of times. You can't see beyond addiction. You just, you know, and so it could open their eyes. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff to do uh, mm-hmm. out in the world. And so that, that's that been fun, too. Now, are these local kids? Uh, from all over. Okay. From from all over. A lot of times it's like court-mandated stuff where they got to go and they got to participate. Like, over, like San Jose or something like that, you mean? Or yeah, or from, from, from out of state, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty renowned uh, rehab place. And they, they have older kids too at the facility but it's yeah, it's called uh, camp recovery it's up in the local mountains here. okay and what do you see from these kids is it changing them uh some some of them you know and then some of them you could see are just there's like they're, they're talking like you know the fentanyl no. pills and fentanyl and stuff it's like they they can't even some of them are like you know i mean they, they don't see anything bad in it you know just like yeah, a lot of them are really wanting to make their life better. Some are like they don't even they don't care. You know, it's just so yeah, just so it's just what they do and all their friends and wow. But for for the most part, uh, it's uplifting for them and it's open that opens their eyes and you know, Flea takes them on hikes too, like once a week and once two weeks. So just trying to get them to get outdoors, get away from their phone and no, it's it's good. It's really good therapy. Yeah, for some of that young, especially. yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about a little bit of the Santa Cruz history. In your day, in your heyday, was there an east side, west side rivalry? Yeah, kind of. You know, you go to the east side, you get a little, little vibe, you know, and okay. the guys come This over is when you're a Grom, right? Yeah, in a, in a Grom. And okay. Nothing too gnarly, you know, just a little attitude, you know. Okay. But, I mean, and did uh, it progress? So it got to the, it got kind of stupid as you get as you get older. It's like God, this is my hometown. Really, I can't I can't drive. I can't travel five minutes and right. accept it. Like, give me a break. I can travel halfway around the world to get treated better. Yeah, that's true. Hometown. That's a good town. Come on, it's kind of an immature <laughs> thing, you know. But I mean, surfers are territorial, you know. Just that's the way it is. So, do you have a favorite wave in Santa Cruz? In Santa Cruz, probably Swift Street and Mitchell's Cove. Okay. Swift Street on a really big day and a low tide, deep ground swell. Okay. Just so much speed down the line. Oh, mm-hmm. man, incredible. You, you mentioned the hook and stuff like that. Like, do you, do you go and surf outside of town? Yeah, on a big south swell okay. in the summer, it gets incredible. Does it? Yeah, okay. not that many times a summer. You yeah. know, you might get, like this summer, we didn't have any really super big days. I like when it's like, like big south swell. Okay, yeah. But yeah, it's incredible over there. It gets wow. really good. But. A lot of times, it's it's like another world because the traffic from here to there. So you just stay. So you go up north, you just stay here. Yeah, it's pretty hard to go over there unless it's really happening. Yeah. So when you were younger, once again going back, was there ever a traffic jam? 
going that way when you were 15 or something? No, there no. wasn't. No, not, not as many cars, not as many people. Everything's yeah. like all the vacant lots are now built. And just, mm-hmm. Everything's just a lot more a lot more dense. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really, uh, Santa Cruz has definitely gotten busier. Okay. And then I was a kid. Like some of those places like the hook, there's like a staircase to go down. Was that staircase there? Yeah, no. Back in the day, there was just this. <laughs> they had a rope, and you hang onto the tree stumps. And then there was this one area that was just like stepping on ice. It's so muddy and slick. It was really nasty. Uh, it was intimidating just getting down. It yeah, kind of gnarly. And then you're surfing waves. Yeah, going the into a cliff kind of thing. Yeah, it was magical though. Even just having to climb on the cliff. There. Yeah, I was just, kept I the crowd down. I'm sure. Yeah, just a little stinkier. They had a, a they had a, a sewer pipe that would come up at a first peak, and you could see it bubble up at like six oh. to twelve inches up out of the water. I mean, it was right there. It would go blub blub and oh. pieces of shit and toilet paper. No. And, right. and it's at the very top of the point, and then it would just drift down through the hook oh, and sharks no. it all the way into Capitola. It's like whoever designed it was like, let's really screw these surfers over. They put it right at the top of the point, oh, so no. it just, uh, just, just surfing through sludge. Uh, basically, uh, yeah, you wipe out. And oh, it's like no. you get flushed out of toilet. You can smell it underwater, all your senses. So horrible. So environmentalism is a really good thing. Uh, it, we had no clue back then. Just, yeah. When did they like close that up? I don't I forget. You know, I, well, I started surfing probably, uh, probably 74 or okay. something. Okay. Right That's then. insane. Yeah. The, the, uh, <laughs> you know, in a beautiful surfing spot just to put the pipe right there. Well, they weren't looking right about out. surfers. It was just about no. getting dirt of the shit. Of the shit. Yeah, horrible. Wow, that would never fly today. No. That, maybe some of these third world countries might do something like that. Yeah, but yeah, so. we're we're pretty good now here. Okay, let's touch on the on the triple crown and contest surfing. Did you like contest surfing? Yeah, I uh, did the triple crown for about fifteen years. Yeah. there starting around eighteen. And, oh, God, I would love it. I'd get new boards every year and go over there and test them out. And when you're in a heat, you'd be looking at the forecasting and, oh, my gosh, it could you know, be the day of my life. You know, it could mm-hmm. serve pipeline with four guys out. And it could just be a good excitement. whatever. Yeah. Okay. And it, it's fun when you excel and you do well, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but always, it's a, right? Yeah, but it's a kind of a mind fuck when you lose, you know. So contests <laughs> are, I don't know, there's two sides to them, but. For me, it was, you know, being able to really just immerse myself in the, the ways I really loved on the North Shore. And, okay. But I, did, I went to Australia and took the small ways events a little bit here and there. But I didn't do too well. I wasn't that dynamic on small ways. Yeah. Not too good. Did you serve amateur contests or anything? A little bit, yeah. Doc Scott uh, had a WSA World Surfing okay. organization. Anyway, he uh, he ran all the contests here in town. And okay. like, through high school and stuff, yeah, we really had fun surfing in and the And you competing against all your buddies. Yeah, much. yeah. When's the first time you started surfing against like guys further down south or maybe guys from other parts of the world? Uh, let's see. Like we used to go down south and surf the Stubbies contest okay. about 1978. So you were surfing the Stubbies and stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, that was pretty cool surfing trestles and Stubbies. Yeah. I like that. You like that? And then, yeah, then we got a. Uh, me and Vince got invited to go surf the Stubbies contest at Burley Head, Australia. Oh, we wow. Together, oh, rad. 81 or 80 or something. Okay. When you start meeting new people, international guys or Hawaiian guys, you're going to Hawaii to their home. How did you break in and how were you treated? You know, being a Halley boy on the North Shore, I, 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 I know the history of Hawaii and what happened there. And I just have so much respect for the Hawaiian people. I definitely tried it lightly. I wasn't the kind of guy that paddled out all aggressive mm-hmm. and think I was the boy. You know, I was like the very opposite of that. And and people could see that and, and that those. And if you surf well, I guess might help too. But yeah, I think sure uh, if you're humble and you have humility, uh, it, it goes a long ways. I always tell my kids, you know, have humility. You know, don't think you're the boy. Worry about, you know, how other people feel. And, you know, you're not any import, more important than anybody else, you know. And so I was like, I'm just kind of naturally like that. And so okay. I think I got accepted maybe more than some others. Okay. People who are more aggressive. So, yeah, it's, it's good to be humble. So you made a lot of friends, I guess. Yeah, yeah, surfing. Yeah, and just being there for a length of time, such so as showing up and just surfing the contest. I would just be out there every day for months. You okay. Know? That probably helped, too. Was there competitiveness in these contests? Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, you were like, you wanted to win. You said it was fun to win. Yeah. But is there somebody, like maybe a certain person or a certain group of people that you're like, I, I want to beat this, these people or this person? Oh, no, I never liked that. No, I just, you just I wanted just to win the heat. surfing, yeah. You just wanted to win the heat. Yeah. 
Didn't matter who was in the heat? No, I was never like got into rivalries with anybody or anything okay. like that. No. What about on the heat sheet? Did you ever look going, oh, shit, I have to surf against this uh, Yeah, person. yeah. Yeah. There were some guys that were so good. Michael Hill was so good on the North Shore okay. during that period. He was just winning So everything. you were bomb if you're in his heat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Derek, his little brother. Yeah, they were so awesome, man. They were so good. You see guys and you're like, oh, shit. I don't want to have to serve against this guy. He's going to smoke me again. Right. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a memorable period of uh, Triple Crown? That will stand uh, out yeah, 89-90 season. I got a two first and two third. I, wow. I won the XL Pro at Sunset Beach, and I went over to uh, Honolulu on the Big Island and somehow won the contest there. Wow. Pretty bizarre. Then I got third in the World Cup and third in the ICAL just – Things were just clicking, you know, mm-hmm. just so tuned in, had good equipment. And uh, that was, that was that's fun to be successful in, in the contest, you know, no doubt about it. And I'm assuming you started off in single fins when yeah. you started surfing. How was that progression of, did you get a twin fin and then go to the thruster or did you go straight to single? Yeah, thruster? we were doing single fins, then we were doing a round pin twin fins. Okay. Uh, round pin twin fins. Uh, I, I didn't get that much into the twin fins. Uh, I got Vince Collier, I had a 510 round pin twin fin on that trip to puerto in 1978 and he just ripped on that board mm. a little bit undersized for him so he could just really sink the board you know okay uh and then i went to um australia actually the year that simon developed the thruster you could see the difference in performance tom carroll had one there at berlin and simon and then i uh, went to bells it was like the biggest most perfect bells beach surf contest and simon wow. won on a thruster yes 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 I kind of just to witness that was insane. Up, right? Yeah, and then uh, he won Narrabeen that year too. Okay. And I told Simon, yeah, God, you really could see. He said to humble guys, oh, yeah, thanks, mate. You know, just <laughs> really awesome to but see. But you could him. tell the way he was surfing. Yeah, like this. It was is, helping. The board this, was helping. Yeah, and so I came back to Santa Cruz and go, Doug, it's like a twin fin, but it was a fin right here, Doug Hout. And he made me the most insane thruster the first board he made me. Okay. So that was pretty, pretty fun to be at the beginning of that movement. So how many shapers have you worked with? And- um, quite a few. George Hyten in my first board, then Doug, Doug Hout okay. sponsored me a little bit. And then I hooked up with that Joey Thomas. He's just an artist, and he makes such pure, beautiful boards. I've served his board for 30, 35 years. Wow. And I really actually got off the thruster at a really early time. I was running a thruster for a little bit, then we started doing four fins, like with the way they oh, do quad. four fins yeah. now. Yeah, quads, like way back when. And then Martin Potter started surfing those um, twinsers with uh, Will Jobsons, you yeah. know, and we got all excited about that, and we got to spread the fins out a little bit, and I've been surfing those ever since. But I'd, I'd like to have a little more glide in my surfing. I don't have to try too hard. Okay. Might lose a little bit of power, but just... Uh, do you like more volume? Um uh, just, just, I, don't, I don't like the feeling of a thrust of a thrust of a big fin. It's like an emergency okay. break on the end of the tail. Unless you're pushing it the whole time, I like to relax and just okay. not have to be pushing a turn in order to yeah. accelerate. I like to relax in between my turns and have a little more glide, a little flatter rocker maybe. So you're you're dealing with like several shapers. Are you going in the room with them and actually like talking the board out with them and the guys are shaping it, or are you just telling them what you like and then? They hand you a, a little bit of both. The Joey, we really fine-tuned this one. We've been working on the same design for like 30 years, you know, and it'd wow. be like, this is the one, Joe, you know, we'll, let's make one just like this, and it's always really hard to get a duplicate, you know. <laughs> it's like, uh, but then uh, it's it been good for us working with the machines because you could you could get a board to make a copy of it okay. exactly. So who are you getting like. from now? Uh, Joey, still okay. Joey Thomas, yeah. Okay, so now he's... You guys are finding this magic oh, board. Oh and my god! Throwing like, them through the machine. Yeah, but I always have maybe one really magic board, and the other one's like okay. And now I got like three or four boards that I just love. So it's, I never had that in my whole life. So okay, it's been good. And what are you surfing today? Mostly uh, six to uh, wow, it's still small. Yeah, uh, like a twinger setup with the fins a little further apart and okay. a lot of concave, a little wider, a little more volume than I used to have. Yeah, just turned sixty three a couple of days ago. Holy shit. It's a little more volume every every year, probably. Like thicker, or are they putting it in uh, a little bit places? wider, a little bit wider. Little I like wider. to keep it nice, thin tail, you know. Okay. A little bit underneath my chest is for paddling. Okay. A little thicker. So maybe. they always have like you know the volume, but yeah. it matters where they put it, not how yeah. much there is, right? Yeah, it's got opinion. the volume, but the but the tail and the so, you're so it's the pretty thin and narrow, so you can still just drive off of it, but just okay. a little more under my chest, get my to get fat paddling. ass in the waves. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? 
enjoy going in the room and, and talking these boards out? Like, are you stoked on it? Yeah, uh, I'm not. I've got to a point where I kind of I, I know what I like, and I'm not try- explaining yeah, that much right now. Okay. I just I know what I like. I just ride that, and so I'm not really at a yeah, point. I'm like, yeah, I'm not pushing, trying to get the next. Every time I like tweak it a little bit, then I, I there's for advantage a disadvantage. I just right. like this is what this is what I like, so I'm not doing that much. Are you doing alternative equipment? Do you ride long boards or anything else like that? Yeah, a little bit of long boards, but not not that much alternative stuff right okay. now. I just like nice just clean surf. round pin, fast <laughs> twinter setup. Yeah, it's 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 like a hot knife through butter when you get a good board. Okay, in a good way. Going back to your kids, what are they riding? Are they are they still surfing a lot? Yeah, totally. My younger one's in Europe right now, just with the backpack. He's been gone for a so month, rad. just tripping around. And my older, they both help with the surf school, teaching the surf okay, lessons, cool. which has been really awesome. And and uh, uh, Richie, my older one, he's getting all weird with his boards. Him and uh, Jonah Rymers are working together on okay. these new and creative shapes. They've been doing some six fin designs. Wow, just nuts. How does that like, work? Insane. Did you watch them surf? Oh my gosh! Yeah, there's really? so much rail in the water. They could just really control the speed. Interesting. I've not seen anything like that. Uh, yeah, they're getting trippy with well, the like designs. Small like trailer fins. Like- yeah, well, that third well, that third fin is pretty small. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, that's cool that he's experimenting. Yeah, yeah, they, they're, they're doing some cool stuff. So where do they mostly surf the lane? Where's yeah, the spot? Up the coast on this this time of year. Richie's up at uh, somewhere between. San Francisco and Anyo, there's some, you get the uh, combo swells, there's some beach breaks up there that are pr- pretty good. But in the winter, I mean, you know, you could go anywhere from Oregon or Washington down to Baja, you know, and just yeah. look at the maps and just, so we work really hard in the summer and then in the winter really be flexible with where where you could go. And, uh, we went to Hawaii last year, it was pretty pretty fun. That was nice to reacquaint with Hawaii. You see a lot of Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Nothing like there. Yeah, I bet. Along the coast here, or you said up north or whatever, how hard is it and how hard do you have to try to get access to some of these places you might see on a map? Um, you know, most of them are accessible, but there's a okay. couple of places we like to go. They're, you know, off limits, you know, but nothing, nothing too crazy. There are some places you go further, way up north that, yeah, you got to have a four wheel drive and dirt road and all that kind of stuff. But is that fun but, for you guys? Yeah, yeah. It's you pretty, pretty cool to be out in the wilderness. Yeah. Like, is it, Intimidating, gnarly. Yeah, because if you get hurt, you know you're really on That's your true own. Too. You know, it, it's fun. It's just uh, a lot of coastline. You know, between Canada and San lot. Diego, it's like so it's pretty much. cool to try to familiarize yourself with everywhere and look at the maps. Yeah. Go, okay, let's it's not do a life, this. It's more than a lifetime's worth, probably. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. there's so many nooks and crannies that may only line up a few times a year. Right. You, you slowly learn about them, and That's pretty insane. fun. Okay, pretty cool. Fun. It's surf culture. Do you like the way it's heading? It's changed so much from your generation to where it's at today. Yeah, I, I, I do. I think, you know, back in the day, it was kind of a fringe sport. It's people were the outliers, you know, and um, they were kind of looked at as bums kind of thing, you know. And now it's like people from all walks of life are out there enjoying the ocean, you know, doctors, lawyers, teachers, this different ethnicities I, I think it's wonderful you know there's yeah. not like a little niche thing that everybody can go out there and enjoy the world and have a connection to the ocean they'll they'll appreciate it they'll work to keep it preserved because with the environment and everything else going on you know the ocean could get trashed you know with plaster who knows what you know like nuclear waste or whatever so and more people are connected to it they're going to take better it. care of it so yeah. I think it's a bummer when you're out in a crowded lineup and you're not having fun, of course, you know. But I think more people enjoying the ocean is better. Did you ever think it would be in the Olympics? No, that's pretty cool that I got <laughs> recognized. Yeah. So, I mean, for it, you starting off, I mean, that wasn't even a thing, right? No. That, so to have people worldwide appreciate I think it's I think it's awesome. It's it's really a, a great thing that we do or a cool thing that we do that keeps you young, keeps you healthy. You might not be good for your careers. You know, a lot of people want to have a, a, a job where they can be flexible and be on it when the surf is good. But it's a trade-off, you know. Just I think we're really lucky to be surfers and have that connection to nature and the ocean. 
Did you make your lifestyle so you were able to surf? Yeah, I always worked. You know, I was a, I had a paper route. I was a dishwasher. I was a waiter, you know, a busboy, a sales rep, lifeguard. And I was a pro surfer, you know, I got yeah. a little, but I didn't uh, get to pay that much. I never, I always work. I never relied really? on sponsors to give me money. Oh, I didn't, I didn't market myself. I was kind of a, wow. But you're, you're world renowned. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, just uh, I'm not much of a businessman kind of guy, you know. I just love surfing and. Um, wow, it's for the love. Yeah, that's crazy. That's insane. Yeah, pretty pretty lucky. Do I you, feel fortunate. Do you think the the pro surfers of today are doing it for the love? Or, yeah, I think so. I mean, you get such an athlete sport now. It looks pretty gnarly, like the pressure on the athletes. Like there's a mid-year cut, you know. It yeah. just seems kind of stress, a little more stressful. Yeah. Now I think, but I think they all do it for the love, you know, okay. for sure. I mean, they probably get the point in their career, like, "Fuck, I'm ready to retire and just mm-hmm. go to Indo and just surf some fun ways." Yeah. And I have all this hype and environment around me, but it's probably fun too, especially when you're doing well, you know, making money on surfing. I mean, they have to appreciate it to the max, I and mean, that's that's the dream, you know. Yeah. Well, Richard, thank you so much for coming on the Clearcast. My pleasure, Mike. Yeah, I really appreciate it. So, everyone, this is Mike and Richard Schmidt, and we're out of here. Later. guys endless summer box set this thing is legit it's authentic numbered certificate in it it has a five frame film strip from the original print you will literally own a piece of history it has a specially minted bronze medallion dude that thing's sick okay there's so much more here go to the show notes there's a link on there Go check this piece of history out. This thing's rad. Seriously. Smithsonian American History Museum has it. It took four years of research with 3.5 in production. All hand assembled. This thing's rad. So much to this awesome box set. Remastered DVD. Sharper images than the original film. But dude, this thing's so sick. Link in the show notes.